You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. going to get hotter. Welcome in to Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, longtime sportscaster here in the state of Alabama and then Lars Anderson, noted sports writer and author. Hope everybody's doing great today and I'm serious when I say this, please. You know, the pets, the plants, whatever you need to take care of, the elderly, uh, do so because today it'll get up to about 93 and it will feel like 100 and then we don't have to deal with the uh, feels like. The temperature later this week is going up to 102 degrees. So, Lars, uh, hope the AC's all tuned up. Uh, looks like Lars has muted himself. Well, he did well. I got off to a slow start. Hey, it's Monday, right? Um, yeah. So I decided to take a uh, a quick. Uh, little 16-hour drive to Nebraska and uh, was at the College World Series yesterday, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Um, Did you catch a home was, run ball? There were several. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Uh, th- there's a lot to get into about that game, and we will with uh, Robbie Glenn, our resident college, best, our college baseball expert at 1230, but uh, man, when uh, we got to Rose or we got to <laughs> Rosenblatt is where they used to play. When we got oh, to the, the, yeah. when we got to the stadium, uh, just ended up getting standing room only tickets, and uh, so we're in the outfield. And uh, holy cow, is the wind blowing out? I mean, the wind was, was gusting sometimes 20, 25 miles an hour. And uh, one LSU fan, I give him credit. It was uh, at this point. It was eight to three, and he said, "You know, we're not losing eight to three. The wind has scored eight, and we've only scored three because because uh, a lot of those homers that were hit just never would have gotten out of that park without that wind. Because you know, it's a as as Robbie has has mentioned several times, uh, the College World Series par- baseball." Uh, Stadium is so big. I mean, it's uh, it's. I think it would even be big for like a major league uh, game, or by major league standards. And uh, not a lot of balls fly out of there, but they were flying out yesterday. And uh, yeah, that was a uh, historic. 20, 20 run win by by Florida. And uh, the thing is, they were down early. They were down three to one, I believe. I think it was three to one. Yes, it was. And so they ended up scoring 23 to one the rest of the way. And so, you know, Matt, where do you go from here uh, if you're LSU? I mean, you just got obliterated. Uh, Florida had six home runs, record tying 23 hits. Uh, the 24 runs they scored was the most in a single game in, in men's college World Series history. Uh, it's the most lopsided uh, game in the event of, in the history of the college World Series since 1957. It's when uh, I'm sure you remember this one when Notre Dame beat Northern Colorado 23 to two. 
Actually, um, I wasn't born yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I know you. Um, but I mean, what can LSU bounce back from yes, they from can. that? They can. You know why? I know they haven't announced it officially, but Paul Skeens could be the answer. Uh, they haven't listed him as a starting pitcher for LSU, but I think if they want to win this World Series and you're not uh, risking any danger to this kid's arm, then you throw him against Scaglione and you, you see what happens. But you got to do the same thing that Florida did, and that's forget about it. It's in the rearview mirror. It is history. You go back, see if you can't win your second World Series in four years, I think it would be. Yeah. So I would still have to favor Florida, though. Another thing, if you're LSU, you have to hope is that uh, maybe the wind, the wind is at five miles an hour. Maybe it's, it's blowing it, in. It, it's truly, the wind is not blowing right now. Uh, and and as a general rule, I don't know if this is true like everywhere in the country, but it is in the Midwest. As a general rule, as the sun goes down, the wind dies down. And so uh, with the later start, you know, yesterday it was uh, 3 Eastern, 2 Central. And tonight it's, uh, it's 7 Eastern, 6 Central. Um, with the later start, the wind should not be as a big a factor. And, and right now there is no wind at all. And, and, you know, I guess in some ways, Matt, it might be easier for LSU to rebound rather than losing a heartbreaker, you know, in the 14th inning or something, right? Because, yeah. uh, you know, th they were able to preserve some arms and so was Florida. Uh, both teams were able to do that because once the game was out of... Uh, you know, out of reach for LSU. There's no reason to throw your top guys in the bullpen. So um, it's going to be an exciting game. I will say LSU has a decided home field advantage, uh, despite with the crowd. Um, there's probably it's probably like five to one LSU, and the game was sold out. And there's a lot of locals there too. Um, a lot of Joe Burrow jerseys that I saw, of course. Really? Um, yeah, but, and the LSU it's an fans. LSU quarterback. But yeah. you know, it, it, it was crazy. It was a two o'clock start, and uh, at right at, at two, LSU fans, man, they're five, six sheets to the wind. <laughs> it was just uh, there was some uh, very uh, lubricated LSU folk, uh, and. Uh, the, the, there was some foul language. Like I don't know if I would have wanted my kids there uh, around these kids, around these uh, college kids, I guess. But um, the LSU fans, you got to give them credit. They travel, and a lot of them have been here for like ten days, you know. Uh, and so I would expect another sellout tonight and uh, another huge LSU uh, advantage in the crowd, but. You know, they, they had that yesterday as well. And it was uh, an historic day. It was very, very windy, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, had, hadn't been to the College World Series in a long time. Hadn't been since uh, they moved to, into this new stadium in downtown Omaha. And um, it's, a, it's a very cool, cool event. And I may head down there tonight, too. How hot was it? I got to ask you, since the weather is just going to be a focus this week. Okay, there's like people complaining uh, uh, in in uh, around the country, who have, who are coming to this event, different reporters just saying, you know, it's hot as Hades, blah blah blah. Man, it's not even that hot. 
It's like it's it's not Alabama hot. Trust me. You know, it's it's 85, 80, 90, but uh, there's like no humidity. Right. And so it's just it's totally different. It's like it's a hot prairie wind and uh, and and it's dry. Right. It's just different. It's a different kind of hot. And I, I would take to me, it feels actually cool based on the weather in, in, in Alabama. And so, um, yeah, I, I know people have been fixated on it, but to me, it's not hot at all. So, um, I Where don't know. Where do you get I, home? Where do you get I, home? The high Friday is 102. Yeah, I, I've, uh, I, I've been reading about that, that it's going to get a little toasty in Bama. But, uh, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. What, what were your overall thoughts on the game? Did, did you think... I actually, you know, based on what Robbie has been telling us, Robbie Glenn, again, he's going to join us here just a little bit. Um, Robbie has just been raving about Florida's bats, right? And and they got silenced in game one. And so I had a feeling that they would come out and explode in game two. But I, you know, I didn't think they'd have this historic, uh, absolutely smash show um, in scoring uh, uh, or winning by 20, I should say. Did well, you think? Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I thought LSU jumped out of the three to one lead. I went, golly, are they really going to do this against Florida? And about the time I got the words out of my mouth, the bombs started falling, you know, and Florida took over. And you're right, uh, we'll have to give Robbie Glenn just due at the bottom of the hour because he called it back in the SEC tournament. He thought Florida could win it all, and actually, he said they they would win it all. But the, the middle of their order is like the, the middle of the Braves' order. I mean, good grief. These guys can just flat out hit. So yeah. can LSU. You know, the wind, the wind was blowing out on the, from the other dugout, wasn't it? LSU just didn't take advantage of it. Or yeah. they, you know, it was just bad breaks for them. But I don't think it would have made a big difference if there were no wind. Florida uh, did like every break conceivable uh, after that th- after being down three one, every break kind of went Florida's way. You know, um, there was I think the key play of the game was uh, there was an error made by the second baseman of uh, LSU when LSU still.
Yeah, I can talk. I'm right here. Awesome, awesome. I think uh, we just m- muted out for a second there. Uh, so is Lars still shown as uh, connected? It says he's here. It says he's here. So uh, if you want me to, I can take it to break and we can get it on the on the other side. He he just texts. Can you hear me? He needs to reconnect. All right. I all had right. to. Uh, let me go ahead and get it to br- get us to break, and we'll we'll come back on the okay. other side and finish that thought. Go for it. I'll. Uh... From T Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny this afternoon, just an outside chance of a brief shower or storm, the high 93. Tonight fair with the low at 69. For tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, a small chance of a shower or storm, the high 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson. Uh, Noah's with us today. I understand Sep's a little under the weather. Thoughts and prayers in your direction, Mr. Shirey. We appreciate all that you do, and thank you, Noah, for stepping in. Uh, before I get to where I was last night, I mean, if, if you're not getting great coverage from Big Noon Sports, last night we had a reporter at the Stallions game, and, of course, Lars was in Omaha for Game 2 of the College World Series. Game 3 is tonight. Winner takes all, obviously. But before I get to the Stallions, and we'll talk with Steve Irvine about that in about one hour, but a story just made me bug-eyed this morning when I read that Javon Quinterly had entered the transfer portal. And not testing waters, not getting offers, anything like that. His quote said, I'm gone. Um, I am very loosely paraphrasing. But uh, he's leaving, and I think what would be his sixth year of, of uh, eligibility. What a find for another team. And, Lars, I'm putting you on the spot right off at the tip. <laughs> Why? Money. That is my guess. That there is uh, somebody communicated with someone in his circle uh, about an NIL, potential NIL deal. And uh, I think he knows exactly where he's going, be my guess, and, um, and to make money. I mean, I, I, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me because he did test the NBA draft waters, right? He made himself uh, eligible. Then he opted to return uh, for what appeared to be his final season at, at Alabama. And now he's going to be uh, transferring to the third school of his college career. Remember, he started at Villanova, then came to Alabama, and really was uh, the uh, a fan favorite, heart and soul of the team. Uh, and I, I thought he would be doing that again. Right? You remember that um, he came off the bench to, at the beginning of the year. Uh, as he was recovering from that torn ACL. And what an amazing recovery he made from that torn ACL. Um, but he did, uh, he, he started in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. 
And I really thought that he was going to be, you know, the captain of the team this year. And uh, the only thing I can fathom, and this is just an educated guess, is that somebody was dang- dangling a bag of money in front of him, and he's going to take the money. I mean, what what else is there? I, I Playing time? That's the only other thing I can think about. Is it, uh, There's guards aplenty at Alabama, and maybe he just sees the writing on the wall, and he needs to go. But unfortunately, that may have factored in somehow, somewhere, maybe not. But uh, unfortunately, I think that what you just said is probably the case. And that is exactly what NIL is not supposed to do. Not. And we'll ask Irvine about this, but do you see what Trent Dilfer said? About, you know, people tampering with his players? He said, I'm going to turn you in. I'm going to tell everybody who's doing it. Now, if everybody started doing that, that might kind of police itself for a little while. Then again, no. I... I, but I am very surprised that he's done this, and he's what do you think he's getting half a million a year or something? I mean, I, I have no idea, but uh, it just seems like uh, in, in college basketball, uh, probably more so than any other sport, it's like players are just getting poached off off rosters with by these collectives. I'm serious uh, because one player can make such a big difference, right? In college basketball, I mean, you can in football too, but. but but especially in in in, in basketball, and uh, I, I just uh, am, am very surprised by this. And um, you know, who who knows where he's going to end up? But yeah, I mean, there there are uh, um, you know some some guards coming in right via the transfer portal, uh, and uh, and and also um, uh, in the recruiting class, but. I still think Quinterly would have been. Don't you think he would have been the captain of the team? Absolutely. I mean, he, he's he's the leader. Certainly in seniority, he is. But I mean, he also knows that system better than anybody. Yeah. Uh, and I'm still uh, even even with the thought that maybe he was lured away. Uh, I'm still surprised. Uh, yeah. He always seemed like such a team guy once he got there from Villanova. That you know, transfer portal. That's why it surprised me. Uh, I, I maybe could have understood a couple of other players there, but not Quinterly. Uh, I thought he was through and through Crimson Tide. But you know what? Colors don't matter sometimes, except for green. green. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's, you're right. Uh, I think that's what that's probably what happened. And somebody needs to put a stop to that. You know what? Yeah, absolutely. And um, like I said, it, it's uh, very surprising. And I, I, I think this this caught pretty much. It certainly caught me off guard. Uh, and I'm, I'm certain it did uh, for Nate Oates as, as well. Um, but I guess we'll just have to see. Uh, last night, uh, Stallions beat the brakes off the breakers, 47-22. to 22. My son and I went. Yeah, it was a little bit hot, but we, we managed. And uh, at one point, it was 40-7, to 7 and uh, we went to watch Revolver, a Beatles cover band here. <laughs> in Birmingham because I wanted to see them. They're friends of mine. So that was, it was a great evening. Just, you know how it is, Lars. Spending time with your son, your family is always a good thing. But I think Alex Magoo is going to end up uh, second team somewhere. Last, uh, let's see what he did last night. He was 21 of 31, 310 yards. He threw four touchdown passes, and yes, that includes one to Jay Sternberger. And then to just put icing on the cake, he had eight rushes for 84 yards and a touchdown. 
So he was responsible for five touchdowns in the Stallions' 47-22 win over New Orleans. Now they advance to take on winners of the North Division, the Maulers of Pittsburgh. Uh, that'll be this Saturday night, 7 o'clock in Canton, Ohio. And that is absolutely the best strength-on-strength match they could have had in the USFL because the Maulers are just that on defense. And lately, the Stallions have just been in another gear. They've been in overdrive. And as a result, they really piled it on the Breakers, who when they beat Birmingham earlier this year, I thought New Orleans was the best team in the league. They had Hills as a running back and great quarterback, maybe the second best in the league. But uh, Birmingham dominated. Uh, I believe, yeah, I know. Uh, New Orleans scored first, but then, boy, it was just pretty much Birmingham Stallions from there on out. So uh, Birmingham played the, the, the Pittsburgh Maulers earlier this year and struggled. Uh, but I believe they managed to win that game. There are only two losses to Houston and uh, to New Orleans. So we'll see what happens on that. But that'll be a great game this coming Saturday night. Here's another thing that I don't think you see a whole lot of in the USFL. But the Stallions rush for 245 yards. Normally these teams are rushing from 80 to 100 yards. They piled up 245 and won it going away. It was a great evening and enjoyed every minute of it. And now we'll see how it happens next Saturday night. Now, you were at the ball game. So I don't know if you had a chance to see much of this or read about it or look at the highlights. But uh, Birmingham is Birmingham again. I've lost Lars again. I think he's muted himself again. Sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, we, uh, uh, yeah, got a chance to see it. And to me, this really illustrated that uh, Birmingham is by far and away the Stallions, the best team in the league, because I, I thought these really were the two best. And to absolutely destroy New Orleans the way they did, I mean, they were up 40-7 to seven in the third quarter. Um, and it was just a, a complete blowout. And you mentioned the fact that uh, that the Stallions were able to run for so many yards. That just shows you the dominance of the offensive line. And but it, it all started, you know, with Magoo and and uh, the really good uh, pinpoint passing, uh, season high four touchdowns, one running, uh, and, and one running touchdown. Um, and uh, yeah, you mentioned our, our guy uh, Chase Sternberger. Caught three passes for 62, and uh, that really important first touchdown. After after Chase scored that touchdown, and Birmingham goes up seven three, they never trailed again. And uh, this, I think, it really it all goes back to roster management, roster construction. I mean, it just seems to me, Matt, that Birmingham has more talent by far on its roster than any other team. And also, I think they're a close-knit team and uh, and, and they are peaking. They're playing their best ball right now. And I think they're going to be very difficult to beat. They're going to be tough to handle for the Pittsburgh Maulers on uh, Saturday there up in Canton, Ohio. We will see. But I believe, especially the last half of the season, that Magoo has at least earned a shot. I'm almost positive that he'll get it. 
I don't see him with the talent that the NFL has at quarterback. I don't know if he'll ever be a starter, but with his ability to run, and now he's pinpoint passing, his ability to be the dual threat, I think he is perfect as a backup somewhere in the NFL. That being said, Lars, is Skip Holtz going to get a big dollar job at the college level or perhaps does he get a $3 million job in the NFL as a coordinator or perhaps as a head coach? I don't know. Um, that's a really good question. Uh, I'm sure he could get back into college football. Um, I wonder if he wants to, right? I mean, because this is not uh, as all-consuming as a college football job or an NFL job because uh, the shortened season, shortened schedule – uh, but, you know, I was thinking uh, NFL comp for Magoo and uh, Jeff Garcia just popped into my mind. Right. And Garcia had a bunch of good years with the San Francisco 49ers, um, you know, not a huge arm, but pretty accurate. Uh, you know, could do rollouts, could, uh, you know, not the biggest guy in the world, 6'1", maybe. And, uh, and, and, you know, could make plays with his feet. And Garcia, I think, was undrafted. And, uh, you know, it just took him getting an opportunity to play with the 49ers. And then that launched a career that lasted quite a while. And I think he ended up making a Pro Bowl or two. Um, and I, I, I'm sure Magoo will get a shot. And to me, he seems like a guy who could have a, a, a really long, you know, 10-year career as a backup potentially. But I, I, I think, I mean, it, it certainly looks like the two best players in the entire USFL, at least on the offensive side of the ball, are with the Stallions, and that's Magoo and and, uh, and uh, our boy Chase. So uh I, and I know they should be heavily favored. And I think they'll they'll end up taking home the big trophy on Saturday night. This is a very, very good team. Two, two in a row. Could be. Could happen. You know where Garcia groomed his talents? Before C- going? CFL, maybe? Yep. He was in the Canadian Football League. In fact, I did a game in Saskatchewan. The Rough oh. Riders. Wow. Where he was the starting quarterback. Actually, Doug Flutie was the starting quarterback. He got hurt. Garcia came in, and I think they put up 50, but somehow I think the Barracuda to Birmingham ended up winning. Anyway, there's probably more information than you want to know. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll be joined by Robbie Glenn. We'll be talking some college baseball right here on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. 
Call Haley on her cell. Yes, her cell. 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tonight in Omaha? Yeah, I got a picture from him. Uh, he sent <laughs> oh, me a text. Yeah, I was on the golf course, and I I thought I was going to uh, pass out out there. It was so hot. <laughs> it was so <laughs> it's going to get worse. So, yeah, I, mean, I was picturing the baseball game, and I was like, yeah, that would be fun, but I bet you it's hot there, too. Well, you know, people are complaining about the heat, but I'm, I'm telling you, Robbie, I can report that it's nowhere near like Alabama hot here. You know, the, the humidity is not bad. And uh, with the wind yesterday, uh, especially the I mean, the wind was blowing out so hard. Uh, I was actually surprised that there were more home runs. But um, uh, it, today the, the wind has died down. And uh, and so I, I, it's not going to be as high scoring as yesterday. But yesterday was historical with, when it came to scoring. Um, have you ever been involved in a game like that? That uh, you you win by twenty? By the way, Robbie. Yeah, I've been. Or like I said, you just get every batter that got up there just call the ball. Um, yeah, we've we've I've been on both ends actually. There was one game got away from us and we got pounded pretty hard, and it just one of those things. If it wasn't going out of the yard, it was finding a gap or a blooper over your head. Like, just you couldn't get them out. And uh, that, same with us. Yeah. We had hitters just wanting to get there. It's just it's mean, the way the game is. I mean, there was there was a, a few hits that, that Florida got that there was only like one possible way in the with the how the uh, LSU our infielders were lined up for a ball to get through you know a slow roller and sure enough it happened like four times the the guy would just hit like corner ball you know a a, a ball in the corner pocket like every single time and it it just felt like it it, it snowballed out of control uh, for LSU, like you know, uh, Murphy's Law, there everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and so I don't know. Maybe it helps them uh, knowing that hey, it can't get any worse than yesterday. No, that's true. But again, LSU didn't hit the ball. If you go back and look, now Cruz I think had two or three hits, but that's about normal for him. But your big bats didn't really hit either. Um, so, like I said, you know, back when before when we were talking about slumps none of those guys are in a slump they just had a bad day so they're going to be at the park ready to go today and get you know put that game behind them and they're not in a slump where they're trying to work there they just had a bad day so they'll be picking it back up that uh that kid white on third that just he's been their clutch guy i tell you if he gets hot today it's gonna be a game i think it's gonna be a game i think both teams are gonna i, I picture about a seven six game Five six game. I don't fix. I don't picture twenty something runs, but there's going to be some balls hit today. And Robbie, the the crowd is about five to one uh, in favor of LSU. Does does that matter in a game like this? Uh, yeah. I mean, LSU is going to be loud. Um, but again, we're it's, how many how many times we say this? The SEC. Everywhere you go, you're used to playing at the other team's park and. And the crowds are loud, so these Florida's used to it. They're not. They're going to have some fans there. Yeah, it's not bothering them. Uh, but now the only thing it does take effect is LSU wins the Jello Shot, you know, championship for sure. <laughs> I think that's, that's about as lopsided as, as last night's game I've ever yeah. seen. 
we did I know. Video. I've never I, seen I, anything I, like that. I, I saw the after effects of uh, their uh, ability to put those jello shots down, and it was uh, quite uh, unimpressive, I got to say. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, who are you pulling for tonight, Matt? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of still with LSU. Um, I think Florida's got the edge. Robbie's right. I'll certainly lean on his advice. But uh, I wanted to ask you a hitting question here, Robbie. When the wind is that significant as a hitter, are you aware and do you try and take advantage of it? You know, exactly what I thought Bama ran into problems with at Wake Forest, a short park. Hitters change a little bit and say, man, I can just get this out of here all day. And I think, yeah, the wind does. When you see it blowing out, all they got to do is hit it up. And when I was coaching softball, we played a smaller, and the girls, I'd hear them say, oh, I'm hitting bombs today. Look at how short this park is, and didn't hit one out. I was like, guys, you don't change the way you swing. You do your same swing. You see the ball, hit the ball, and drive it, and let the ball take care of the rest. It will leave the yard if you just hit it. Don't try to switch, change your swing. That's where a lot of people get into trouble. And maybe that happened with LSU. I don't know when they saw Florida hitting it out so easy. Maybe they tried to hit it out. I don't, I don't know. But uh, you see something like that, you, it, you're you going to change a little bit to try to lift it a little bit more. And whether you want to or not, you, it's in your mind. Yeah, and... Um... To me, too, the, the everything kind of got out of control for LSU when uh, I, I don't know if you saw this part, but in a, in second baseman they had a chance to turn a double play, ends up uh, they end up not turning it, and then he throw he airmails the ball and he, he's trying to get uh, the runner out on third who had sort of leaked off the bag toward home plate, and uh, and and so that ends up loading the bases um, and next step next batter uh hits a grand slam right and so it's yeah. like that it's like it, 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 it it's almost as if that whole game turned on that sequence of events it, 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 do you feel that when you're on the field like oh no that we just did this like this is just do you get the sense that it's not just not your day at some point oh yeah yeah that's what i said just you get out there and you just balls just seem to miss your glove and you know, when he made that, that error, that was more of a frustration trying to make something happen kind of play because you are getting beat and stuff's just not going your way. And then it just snowballs. But that, that, and that, that, again, that's what happens in baseball. Um, anytime there's a foul ball and you drop it, what happens next? He got, he got free life. It usually hits a home run or, or does something to make you pay for it. That's just the way the game is played. And uh, like I said, Florida or LSU's going to shrug that off. Like I said, it's the it's the national championship today. That that game is behind. They had probably not even thinking about it. Now, unless Florida comes out and hits two right off the bat, then I might, might enter their mind again. But I'm ready hey, to see Lars. it. SEC is going to win another championship. That's what we know. Yeah, that's for sure. Lars, what's the, the what's the opposite of Murphy's law? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. I don't either. No, I don't. Uh, there I am. Answer the question. Ask a question. I don't know the answer to. But I really don't. But you kind of think maybe the opposite will be true for LSU today because they sure got a lot out of their system yesterday afternoon. Yeah, they Omaha. did. All they right. did. Robbie, you're the best. Thank you. Thanks, Robbie. Thank y'all. 
Hopefully we'll talk about this game tomorrow or something. Yeah. All right. All likelihood. Let's take a break. We'll be back with more on Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. If you're tied 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny this afternoon. Just an outside chance of a brief shower or storm. The high 93. Tonight fair with the low at 69. For tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny. A small chance of a shower or storm. The high 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 88 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Appreciate all of you that are dialing us in. Top of the hour, we'll talk some NBA draft and Brandon Miller with Charlotte's very own, well, actually UAB in Birmingham's very own, Murray Bartow. And uh, then we'll talk some Stallions next hour as well with Steve Irvine, who's um, been pretty much the only beat writer that uh, the Stallions have had pretty much since their inception. But uh, here, here's a quick note, Lars. It's a, it's a high school note locally, but uh, I did a few Mountain Brook games this year, and I got the chance to watch Ty Davis play. And He's headed up there to visit you. He's he's gonna bleed. He's gonna be a blue jay. Hey. He's going to Creighton. <laughs> I I have uh, I have people at Creighton. Yes, uh, you got very, people but... everywhere. <laughs> you got a banner um, guy. Yeah, uh, I got a banner guy. I do. Still don't know if I paid the banner guy actually, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's a great school. And uh, and it's um, to 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 play for Creighton, uh, you are going to most likely have a chance to uh, compete in the NCAA tournament, and uh, it's it, it's pretty amazing that this this little school can be so much better than the University of Nebraska basketball, uh, but they are, and. Um, it's uh, this is a big get for Creighton. I mean, uh, Ty Davis chose Creighton over, uh, and Creighton plays in the Big East, by the way. Uh, chose uh, Creighton over Oregon and and, and Northwestern, um, three star prospect. Uh, but I actually think he's better than that. Uh, first team All State by Alabama Sports Writers Association. Um, so yeah, this is. Uh, Interesting. Are you surprised that he wasn't recruited locally uh, yes. by either Auburn or Alabama? Or UAB. Or you UAB, know. yeah. Um, so I think he'd been a really good fit for Alabama. 6'5", uh, 175, but he would son come of, across the timeline. Son of a coach. Yeah, son of a yeah. And his dad can play and coach. So he could come across the timeline and just bomb it from 26 feet. And he made them more often than not, at least in the games I saw. But, yeah, it seems like with his ability to absolutely shoot the three from anywhere, I kind of thought Oates would give him a look. Maybe they did. We just don't know about it. But Creighton's probably a pretty good pick. And uh, you mentioned something that is probably critical in, in any kid's decision is Creighton goes to the NCAA tournament. 
Did they beat Alabama a few years ago? <laughs> they did. Okay. They did. And um, and I, I, I know that uh, uh, Tyler, uh, uh, or that, uh, that, that, that father and son were in Omaha last week, and uh, they had a chance to go and and go to a college world series game just soak in the atmosphere and uh, they realized uh, that for if you want to play basketball in this town in omaha at least it is uh, it's really the only game in town and uh and i think uh, greg mcdermott is uh he's a really good coach at creighton um and and really like you know he was looking at schools that that all have really good coaches Oregon uh, Dana Altman Northwestern you have Chris Collins and uh, I'm I'm just a, a little again a little surprised that he didn't attract more interest in the state of Alabama. Yeah, I, I am too. But uh, hey, well wishes. He, he's a heck of a kid. He makes great grades. Um, and he is, I think, going to have a very successful uh, college career as well. Back to JQ. You have any more, more thoughts on that situation? If you, in case you're just joining us, Javon Quinterly said this morning via uh, social media that he is going to enter the transfer portal. We talked briefly about it in our first segment today, Lars, but I'm still surprised. Yeah, I am too. And, you know, what does this mean uh, you know, going forward, because now uh, suddenly Nate Oates has a uh, another roster spot open. Um, so, do they? Does does Oates now go back to the transfer portal uh, to see if there's anybody available? So, so right now Alabama's sitting on eleven scholarship players, um, and but it, it's really ten because we're still waiting to hear uh, Grant Nelson. Like, you know, there's been, I, I thought it was going to be a done deal. That's the, the kid from North Dakota State uh, that uh, I thought it was a done deal that he was coming and, and, and was fully committed to Alabama, but he hasn't sort of signed the papers yet. But if he does come, then that would give Alabama 11 players on scholarship, two spots remaining. So what would you try to do? Would you try to fill one of those spots? And there are still some guys out there in the transfer portal um, that could replace Quinterly potentially for in the 2023-2024 season. But um, you know, we'll 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 see if uh, if 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 Nate Oates wants to go that route. Um, like I said, there's there's a couple guys out there, but it's just hard to know where he would want to where he would want to go does does alabama now need you know another point guard they probably do i mean don't you think that would be the the logical ploy the, the logical uh position to try to fill here is, is at the point do you think that sears can take over and kind of run that i mean he, he he's a pretty good point guy he's really he's really he is tailor-made to be a two but can he step in that role I think it's possible. Um, I think right now he probably would, um, but you know, it, it, I, I know that there is a point guard at Army, uh, Jalen Rucker, and uh, he, uh, you know, he's he's, a, he's available. It just matters like how much, how, how desperate is is Nate Nate Oates to to fill 
again that 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 spot um we'll just have to kind of wait and see on that but uh I, i'm sure that this caught oats i mean who knows i mean most coaches are aware of sort of where their players heads are at but Man, this one this one really surprised me, and I, I know it surprised you as well that Quinter's, Quinterly is uh, entering the portal and, and will no longer be playing for Alabama. I remember how excited everybody was when he decided he was going to exercise his option to you know use his six year eligibility. Uh, he kind of tested the NBA. He drew back from that, said he's going to stay at Alabama, and now he's not. He's going to transfer elsewhere, but. Uh, We'll see how that works out. I think that, uh, that, I wonder if it took Nate Oates by as much surprise as it did us. By the way, okay, I'm going to admittedly, admittedly here, Lars, I don't know the answer to this, okay? I'll yeah. ask the question, all right? Can you transfer from a military college? Can you transfer from West Point? Uh, what if you're just a junior? Yes, you, quit you the can. Army? Yeah, yeah, uh, I need to get like the exact rules on that, but yes, especially if you are in your first or second year or just completed your plebe year or your second year. I'm not sure when the actual commitment that you make uh, becomes sort of ironclad, right? That you have to do five years of military service after you're done at the respective academy that you go to, whether it's Army, Navy, West Point, or, or Army or Navy, or the Air Force. Huh. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Hey, can you imagine what David Robinson's value would be in a portal? <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> but used yeah. to, they would serve their time after they were graduated. And, yeah. And, uh, Staubach did that, didn't he? Staubach did that. Uh, didn't Napoleon McCallum do that? I think he might have um, been the first one that... Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Town Square. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. 
Appreciate you dialing us up on this steamy Monday afternoon where it feels like 100 or it will in, a, in an hour or so. And then later this week, it's getting up to 102. Okay, let's talk about, let's not talk about that. Let's talk some basketball. Murray Bartow, former UAB coach, now with the Charlotte Hornets, is joining us. And, of course, first of all, Murray, thank you for joining us. How's Tammy? Everybody doing well? Tammy and the kids are good, Matt. I hope your family's good. I'm so blessed. Uh, we both are. We know, and we both know that. Uh, Murray, uh, was was there really any question? And I I don't want to dig into something that's behind. It's in the your war room, your draft room, or whatever. So you can plead the fifth on any question, okay? But uh, was there ever really any doubt that y'all were going to pick up Miller? Well, you'd have to ask the boss on that. But Mitch Kupchak right. is our GM. He's the one that's going to make that final call. There's, there obviously was a lot of discussion. We get there about eight days before the draft and a lot of discussion, a lot of talk. But obviously we love Brandon Miller and we're excited to have him in Charlotte. Coach, um, just tell us about Brandon Miller and, and what you saw in him. And is he now, you know, sort of a, a cornerstone piece upon which you can build the, the entire franchise? Well, you know, we'll, we'll see how quickly it comes. He's got, you know, he's got a little Paul George, a little Jason Tatum type game, 6'8", long, great length. And the game really just comes easy to him. And uh, he's really athletic, good, good getting downhill, can make shots, can pass the ball. Um, obviously, he's got to continue to grow in a lot of areas, but we certainly feel he's got a great talent. LaMelo Ball is our starting point guard, and when you throw LaMelo Ball out there at the point at about 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and then you've got Brandon Miller potentially on one side of him, it's uh, two, two pretty darn good players. Coach, uh, tell us a little bit about Scoot Henderson. I, I don't know, uh, and here, let's all realize that my knowledge of the game is not where yours is at that level. But I, I don't know. Be honest with you, Murray. I didn't see what all the hoopla was about. What, what, what well, is, what's bet, his upside? You, you, you better look at some more video pretty quick, man. I don't ever want to question your basketball acumen. but uh, I can any time. He's something. He's really something. He's, uh, number one, he's a great young guy. Uh, when you think of him, you think of John Morant, you think of Russell Westbrook, you think of Derrick Rose. He's that kind of guy. He's six, two and a half, incredibly explosive, big hands, long arms. The ball looks like a tennis ball when he's handling it. And uh, he's just a dynamic, downhill, explosive guy. Doesn't shoot it great right now. But uh, I think, honestly, I think three, four years from now, he's potentially in the all-star game. He is uh, hes a really good player. He just needs to, he needs to become a better shooter. What, uh, what can you tell us about uh, Victor Wimbayanama? Uh, no, I'm not getting that right. <laughs> I know was, I'm not that getting that close. right. close. You gave that Victor Winbenyama. thank you. Yeah, number, we, we just, number we, we one, he's you, a... Yep, go ahead. Well, he's a great young man. He's a great young man, number one. Number two, he's 7'4", and every bit of that. Number three, when you look, when you think of him 
Uh, he's got a little uh, – he can't handle the ball like Kevin Durant, but he can really shoot the ball. And so he's a 7-4 guy that's got just a beautiful stroke. He can go inside and do some things around the rim. Defensively, he protects the rim. He alters shots. He's just got an amazing skill level for a guy that's 7-4. Obviously, the red flag, the concern would be durability. You know, can he stay healthy? Is he going to get injured? Um, You know, if you look at the history of some of those bigger guys, sometimes they get hurt. So that'd be the only real question there. But if he can stay healthy, boy, I tell you, he's really skilled, really talented. Where, where do you play him? Do you play him at the three or the four? or What how, what, what do you do if you have him on your offense? No, that's a good question. I, I think he's more of a – he's kind of a four or five. He's definitely not a wing. Um, so much about position is based on – really, it's really based on more on the defensive end. Who can you guard? And when you start talking about position, that's really the first question. Okay, who can he guard? And that's true for any player. So he's really going to guard a five. So I would call him a five, but he's kind of a kind of a five four, is what he would be. We're talking with Murray Bartow about the NBA draft, basketball, and all. If I can remember, because he got traded like seventeen times that night. But didn't y'all originally select Birmingham's Colby Jones out of Xavier? Well, it was part of a trade. He was never coming to Charlotte, but it was part of a trade where we did we weren't going to have his rights, but that's who they told us to select. That's who they wanted. So he, Colby was never coming to Charlotte, but that was part of the trade. What is it like in, the, it, in, a, in a draft room? <laughs> I tell you, it was exciting. It's really exciting. That was my second draft, and... Uh, you know, the eight days leading up to it, a lot of guys coming in for workouts. As an example, one day we had Scoot and Brandon on the same day, obviously at different times of the day, but a lot of workouts. So a lot of guys coming in and obviously, you know, all of us sitting around the table and just a lot of discussion, a lot of debate and a lot of watching video while we're all sitting there to kind of to look at guys again on tape. And uh, there's kind of two separate rooms. I, the, the analogy I make, it'd be like at Thanksgiving. You've got the kids' table, they're at the card table, and then you've got the adult table that's at the nice dining room table. And I'm at the kids' table, I'm at the card table. And then in the other room at the adult table, that's where Mitch is and Michael Jordan is, some of the ownership. and So... Mitch goes back and forth. All of the scouts, I'm one of the scouts. We all are out there, and our boss is Larry Jordan, who's Michael's brother, and he's the director of scouting, great guy. And so so we all sit out there, and Mitch sits out there with us. But then when it's decision-making time, I mean, it's right when it's right there, decision-making time, that he goes to the back room, and he huddles up with several people, Michael included, and they make the final call on, uh, you know, they look at the big board, see where we've got guys ranked. And then when it's, you know, then obviously it's Mitch's call uh, when it's time to make that call. What can you tell us uh, just about the development of um, LaMelo L- L- uh, Hall? 
and, uh, and and just sort of where he is, or LaMelo Ball, excuse me, uh, where he is right now as, uh, as, as, as a sort of a, a running partner, right, with, uh, with Brandon Miller. And I, and I know that LaMelo is, is coming off an injury, but uh, do you kind of see these two guys as the two uh, big pieces for your franchise moving forward? Well, it's a good question. Very good question. We've got other guys as well, but I think the combination of LaMelo and potentially Brandon, and I don't know how quickly all that will happen. That'll be up to Coach Clifford, our head coach, but um, LaMelo Ball is something. I mean, he is, if anybody, if any of our listeners ever have a chance to go see him play, I would, I'd buy a ticket and go see him. He is amazing with the ball. I mean, he's 6'7", 6'8", and, he, and the, the ball is just on a string, and then he's an incredible passer. So in terms of just uh, making it look easy and being able to handle that ball and just an incredible passer and a good shooter, he's an amazing offensive player where his growth needs to come is, you know, he needs to become a better defender. But uh, the combination of he and Brandon Miller, uh, they've got a chance to really be special. Hey, Murray, uh, what is Michael Jordan's role? Um, he's an owner, but I think I've read somewhere where he was going to sell part of the Hornets. Yeah, he sold. Uh, yep. So uh, what, what, well, now he that yeah, what, is he, what is his role now? Well, he's still one of the owners. He just, uh, instead of being the majority owner now, he sold some of the team. And so really now he's not the majority owner, but he's still involved. He's still around. And, he was very much present uh, the week of the draft. He was there for four or five days. And um, he still has good memories of his days in Birmingham playing for the Barons. And, uh, but he's still, he's still, you know, he's still very involved. Michael's got two brothers that are part of the organization, one of which I work for, which I just mentioned. And then he's got another brother that's more on the business side of the Hornets. So uh, anyway, they're, they're still very, very involved. You know, one thing about Brandon Miller that caught all of us a little off guard was when uh, he referred to Michael Jordan as, quote, a regular guy and said that Paul, <laughs> George, <laughs> that Paul George is the greatest uh, player of all time. Uh, what, what did you think of that? I just kind of snickered. I just kind of got a little chuckle out of that. But uh, certainly, I, 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 I kind of liked it. I, I, yeah, sorry. I, 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 I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. I, I, Matt and I no. talked about it. And I, I kind of liked it because it just shows that he's a little bit of a free thinker. And, uh, and you know, saying that Paul George is the greatest of all time, that, that definitely makes you actually sort of assess Paul George in a, in a light that most of us hadn't seen him before. Well, it'd be like somebody saying that Matt's a better golfer than I am. It's just not, <laughs> it's just not, not the truth. But you know, Brandon, if you've been around Brandon, Brandon is a, um, he's a he's a neat kid. You know, one I did a lot of the intel on Brandon, so I was in Tuscaloosa a lot, and you'll hear words like goofball, goofy, funny, hilarious, uh, comedian. And so he's got a really freeness about him. I think he got a lot of that, I think, from his dad. But uh, he's kind of, you know, he's got a little silliness to him. He's, he's very funny, likes to joke. 
So I'm, I'm going to give him the, the benefit of the doubt and maybe say he was joking. Let's hope he was joking. Let's hope he wasn't serious. <laughs> I think he just meant he liked his style. Right. George. right. And who doesn't? I mean, he's I think big, he's very he's underrated He's a big Paul player. George fan. He's a big yeah. Paul George fan. Well, anybody who follows the game closely, they should be fans too because the, the guy had the game. But, uh, all right, uh, final question. Uh, when can you get Michael Jordan on our show? Okay, <laughs> That would not be easy for Murray Bartow to pull off. I will ask you one question because of the situation with Bob Huggins. Uh, Andy Kennedy's name was floated out as potentially replacing him at West Virginia. It's really good for Birmingham, this state's basketball, that Andy Kennedy is apparently going to stay right here with UAB. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. Andy and his staff have done a great job. And uh, the portal, the NIL, all the things that are going on right now, I think are really tailor-made for Andy. He knows how to recruit. He knows that he's a great communicator, knows how to get players. And, and uh, so anyway, it was it was good news for UAB that he's staying here in Birmingham. Glad you are too, Murray. I appreciate your time very much. I think we actually ran over a little bit. So, will it, uh, will, will you get some time off now? Well, I'll be honest. It's why I've lost my voice. I my, I started a foundation, Matt, two years ago, Bartow Family Foundation. And through that foundation, we do a camp out at Indian Springs for, for inner city Birmingham kids. And so we're in the middle of that right now. And uh, so I stay out here with them. I'm at the dorm for five nights with them. It's an overnight camp. We're through the foundation. We're, we're a 501c3 charity. So through our foundation, we pay for kids to come out here free. And so anyway, we're running the camp right now. And I, I got a little wound up this morning. And now I've kind of lost my voice. But uh, so, I'm, so I'm pretty busy for the next three or four days. But then I'll have a chance to rest a little bit and then here comes the nba summer league in vegas and that's for about eight days i'll be out in vegas at the summer league and then we've got some downtime then you've got really as a scout you've got about two months where there's really nothing going on until you start training camp again at the first part of october so i'll have some downtime maybe you and i'll figure out a way to go play yes. golf Listen, Murray, can people get in touch and find out more about your foundation? Is there a website? There is a website. If they just go to Bartow Family Foundation, they would see our website and uh, kind of see what we're all about. We're, long story short, we're just we're trying to find kids that we can encourage and uh, love you know love them up and encourage them and give them some support and give them some guidance as they navigate a lot of distractions and things going on in their life. And and anyway, this week we've got 30 of the best rising ninth graders in inner city Birmingham. And we're, you know, it's, it's not just a basketball camp, it's life skills, academics, leadership. And so we do a lot of things. And you remember the great Mo Finley, Mo is my right hand man on this academy and daryl braden and an old blazer is helping yeah. me so anyway we're just trying to encourage some kids mo finley hit the 17 footer right side of oh the key my. boom yeah boom yeah we'll go into that someday murray thanks for your time thanks man. god bless thanks you man. Bet. all right you bye betcha. Bye. Uh, what a good guy um we're lars make a note 
No, I make it no. We need to promote that foundation because that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Hey, and we come back. I want to talk about a prediction that Kirk Herbstreet made. Kirk Herbstreet made last week that we didn't get a chance to discuss. It's a good one to discuss. Coming up on Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny this afternoon, just an outside chance of a brief shower or storm, the high 93. Tonight fair with the low at 69. For tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, a small chance of a shower or storm, the high 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson. Our thanks to Noah at the controls. Uh, I think Kim's there too. Hey, Kim, what's going on? Uh, but we appreciate what y'all do behind the scenes and then on air occasionally. Oh, we need to do more of that. Um, there have been uh, uh, critics of Alabama and Nick Saban here over the last year say the program is decaying and Nick Saban is on the downside of being a goat. One guy does not agree with any of that. Yeah, and that guy is uh, the most powerful sort of uh, broadcasting voice in all of college football and one of the most powerful voices in college football uh, just in general, and that's Kirk Herbstreet. Um, he went on the uh, Pat McAfee show, show on Thursday, and he just basically said, hey, if you think Nick Saban is done you are very wrong. And, of course, he used a little bit of colorful language because you're allowed to do that on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, Pat McAfee's I think it's done, a requirement. Yeah, Pat McAfee has done extremely well for himself. I, I, I just You can't help but be impressed that the, the niche that he has carved out for himself. And, and he's actually going to be making or has made more money in media than he did as a punter for the Colts. And he was a great punter. He was a great punter. But uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a Pat McAfee fan. Um, but anyway, so Herb Street went on and said, uh, look, uh, Nick Saban, not done. He's going to come back. And in fact, he is my pick to win the national title. And uh, and so I, I found that interesting um, because, you know, sort of the national narrative right now is that Kirby has overtaken Nick Saban. And that's fair. I mean, it really is fair because, hey, Georgia's won the last two national championships. But, um, 
you know, you, you obviously in 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 uh, uh, Herb Street made note of this. You have to see about injuries and what you know what's going to happen with the injury factor uh, because that can derail your season faster than anything else. But uh, all things being equal, he really likes uh, he likes Alabama and uh, just the the consistency. And um, he just said, "Hey, if I was going to Vegas, uh, that's the team uh, I wouldn't question." Uh, he, you know, he stopped a little bit short of uh, saying <laughs> that's the team I'd bet on, but that's essentially what he's saying, um, and that uh, uh, you know he has spent time around Nick uh, in recent weeks, and that he senses that Coach Saban has the same amount of energy, the same sort of uh, uh, drive that he possessed back in 2009 when he was going after his first title. Uh, and going to uh, ultimately beat Texas uh, for the national championship. And he thinks that the, this team has a chip on his shoulder and, uh, and that uh, he just has a hard time picking against Alabama. And uh, look, I, I think everything that um, Herb Street was saying is true, but like everything, it's going to come back. It's all going to come down to quarterback play. Right I, I, to me, Matt, and and I know this is the the deadest horse in the world that we are going to beat. <laughs> we are going to beat this topic. We have more time to do it. <laughs> we are going to beat this topic uh, to the absolute. Uh, I don't know ashes, or we're going to atomize this freaking topic. But um, it's all going to come down to quarterback play because you you, you can see. It, it already, like I think they're going to have a really special defense. I think Alabama, and I, and I, that's a general consensus now among you know the, the the folks who I talk to cover college football, you know, day in day out. That this defense is going to be amazing. It seems like the offensive line is going to be vastly improved. Should have a strong running game, and maybe maybe this sort of version of Alabama is what. Uh, Nick Saban really likes, right? And that's strong running game, strong defense, have a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes and makes a big play when you need it. But most important is to manage the game and uh, and, and just remember that, you know, not every throw has to be a spectacular touchdown, you know, uh, check downs are fine, that kind of thing. And to me, if that is uh, the philosophy of this team, and I think it is going to be, um, I think that sort of uh, bodes well for, um, well, who do you think? I'll ask you, who do you think is going to be the starter? As of uh, right now, I think it bodes well for Tyler Simpson, myself. Um, you're a tie guy. You got Milrow. I think because he's he knows the system, he's a transfer uh, yeah, doesn't know you're the bu- way I'm a Buckner guy, Tyler Buckner. Uh, I think so. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it looks to me, and getting back to the Herb Street thing, and his quote about 2009, um, it looks like Alabama is going to look a little bit more like Saban's teams in the past, um, where you're not relying on a Bryce Young or two, of, you know, because you don't have them. Um, and you're going to. Uh, like you said, you're going to have a quarterback that's a good game manager but can make big plays when you need them. And a uh, guy that started almost every game last year for Notre Dame, 
I think that's uh, that's the guy that'll end up getting the snaps. But you know what? I don't even know if there'll be a starter going into the Texas game after Middle Tennessee State. I really don't. I don't either. I wouldn't be surprised if all three played. Um, I think they all will play against Middle Tennessee State. Now, Yeah. you probably want to try and have something all together. Uh, but it's ever, whoever wins the team, we've said it 100 times. Nick Saban said it 1,000. Uh, it's not all about escapability, pinpoint passing. It's the guy that can get in the huddle and say, oh, hey, enough of that. Or good play, whatever the case may be. And that's what uh, really, really good quarterbacks been able to do in the past at the University of Alabama. So we will uh, we'll see, though. Uh, we didn't even make it uh, past the first show of the week before we brought up <laughs> Alabama's quarterback situation. Well, you know, it'll be, you know, Matt, it's going to be interesting because you do sense that Nick Saban does have a chip on his shoulder, right? Yep. And uh, because of all this talk of the dynasty being dead and and NIL and transfer portal is just our our issues that he doesn't want to deal with. But... How many more times are we going to be able to say this, right? That that Nick Saban is, uh, uh, he, he's had it with all this, this, and, and, and this is what like fuels him. It fuels so many, uh, fuels every single athlete. Like you know, I've been disrespected, right? Even when he win a, a, a Heisman Trophy, you just somehow I haven't been respected enough. Uh, you hear that all the time from athletes, and but it's kind of true with uh, Coach Saban right now. Like the, a lot of people are writing off Alabama. But at age 70, how many more times are we going to be able to to see a Nick Saban in, you know, preseason camp with that familiar just uh, um, it's not a scowl, but just, you know, the that that familiar familiar uh, sort of glimmer of intensity in his eyes uh, that he gets when um you know that Alabama hasn't been to the top of the mountain for so many years. Um, you just wonder, right? Like, is this sort of, is this possibly the beginning of a last hurrah of, of of maybe winning? You know, this year maybe one more, and then he's done. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. Well, that's what we do. Uh, we're going to talk some more football on the other side of this break. Uh, well, Steve Irvine will be joining us. We'll talk about the Stallions. Really, really want to get into uh, what Trent Dilfer said uh, about other coaches trying to poach his players. Big stuff. We're all, uh, we're all coming back in just a moment on Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Specialized now and, and such a fast fast game that, that a lot of times you don't have to fit that mold. You know, like Dondre Tillman probably goes you know, 250, uh, you know, 250, maybe 260, but, but you know, he, you know, he's not the 300-pound defensive lineman, but, man, he goes out there and makes plays, and, and so I think he's got a chance. I just think that there's a handful of guys that they've shown, you know, and, and a lot of these guys we're talking about are two-year guys, so They've shown that you know they they they've shown two years worth of film now of being who they are, and I think that'll help them. I want to switch gears, uh, not from football, because I want to talk about UAB Blazers football, and uh, it's almost every week I read something from Trent Dilfer, and we, of course we've had him on the show. You've interviewed him too, but 
He just, man, he speaks his mind. Recently (laughs) on our buddies, the Rick and Bubba show, um, he was asked point blank, uh, and he said, come on, Power Five guys, come on, come on, try and take my players. Um, I mean, just calling them straight out. Uh, You know what? I'm not surprised that this is the kind of road that he's taken. What about you, Steve? What do you think? No, I, I yeah, and I agree with him. He's fun now. He he he's uh when you get somebody that'll just just speak his mind like that, that's fun, you know. And and but, but I mean he, he he's right. And, and I I think the the one thing that got lost a little bit of that is he's also is not going to st- stand in the way of a guy that he thinks is going to have a if, if if a guy finds a, a situation that's going to better him, he's not going to stand in the way of that. You look at Jalen Key. You know, Jalen Key goes to, to Alabama, and and you know I don't know if they talked to him beforehand or not. I don't know any about that that stuff, but you know I think he really totally supported that because he's like, okay, here's a guy that you know, and, and you know he was going to be their, maybe their best one of their best defensive players for sure, but he didn't want to stand in the way of it because he saw an opportunity and saw the kind of schools that would you know where he could go, and so I think he's. I think he's kind of a little, a little bit of both. He's not going to stand in the way of guy, but you're you're also not going to come in and try to just poach his players. And you know, because we talk, I talked to him about it at one point, and and you know, he was he was he was telling me that you know guys literally are coming to the staff and showing them showing them uh, you know uh, screenshots and showing them and playing them uh, voicemails and just different you know different things and. And I think he just probably had enough of it. And like, no, you're not going to do this. You know, we're not going to do it. You want to do it the right way. And if it's the right situation for the kid, great. But you're not going to do it this way. And, and I, I, I think more guys should step up like that. And I, I was, you know, I was, I, was, I was impressed with the way he handled it. Yeah. Um, it seems like something happened that precipitated this little rant of his. And, uh, and it's interesting, like, you know, he said, if I find you in my kids' DMs or if I find out you've been talking to high school coaches about my kids, meaning players that he's recruiting, uh, I'm going to call you out. And he's like, I have a really big platform. <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah. it's going to be on college game day. It's going to be on Sports <laughs> Center, And those guys who run Sports Center are my friends. So just come on bring it and uh it's like he it's it's funny like he has not yet played a game uab has not played a game under him as head coach and he already is like just breathing fire and uh and and it's like he's got this big chip on his shoulder i mean i i I love it and i i know matt does too What, what is your sort of takeaway from it Hang on just a well, second. Breathing fire and coaching for the Blazers may yeah, be the line of the week. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to love to hear that. He'll love to hear that, I guarantee you. But, uh, no, I, I think it's great because I think, I think things like that need to be said to to get this thing figured out. I think that's the whole point of it. The whole point of it is we've got to get this thing figured out. You know, and, and it's not – it's not necessarily about one kid. I mean, I think certainly there was probably one or two instances that got him fired up to this point, but that's not the point. The point is we've got to figure this out, and this has got to, this can't keep up. You can't keep doing this, you know, free agency, uh, you know, just uh, wild, wild west stuff. I mean, you, you can't. I mean, you got to figure out a way, and if you don't have coaches 
and players or whoever, whoever it may be, if you don't have people speaking out against it, you, you it's going to be ignored, you know. But but when when guys like this, guys like Trent Dilfer and you know, Pat Narduzzi, you know, had, 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 had said something a few weeks ago or a month ago or so about Deion Sanders, and and um, I, I think that you have to, you, you can't just hold that hold that in or, or talk amongst coaches. I mean that that that's not going to help you. You got to get this out, and we got to get this figured out, and get the right way. And I think that's his whole point. And and you're not going to do it by sticking your head in the sand. And and he certainly he's certainly not a coach that's going to stick his head in the sand, sand about anything. So it is. It's very refreshing. Not at all. Hey, Matt, if I could just follow up really quick. Um, he, he continued. I mean, this is an epic rant that he went on. It's, in, it's on the Rick and Bubba show. Uh, and we're talking about Trent Dilfer, head coach of UAB. He said that I want to live in Birmingham. I want to live downtown. I want to go see my grandson in Nashville. I don't want other jobs. I, so I don't care if you blackball me. I want this job. I want the city of Birmingham to say, no, that's our city. That's our coach. So go ahead. I'm not scared of whoever. The grand poobahs of poobahs to blackball me. Let's get get out of my roster. These are my guys. I love these guys. Stay the hell out of it. I mean, that's those are powerful words. Yeah. And you know, another, another another point in that that I liked is 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 he's also he's also kind of fighting for the for the group of five type thing. You know, to say, hey, I want to be here. You know, and and I know that everybody wants to climb and all that stuff. But to say, hey, I want to be here at this level, that's important for coaches to say that. You know, it really is because because. This is a good level, and they need to be happy to be where they are. Yeah, and man, that gets back to the locker room, and those kids are going to bond right around him. I, I, I am just so impressed with what he's doing, especially he's calling him out. So, by the way, I still got friends at Sports Center. That's awesome, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, thanks a lot, man. We always enjoy talking with you. We'll talk probably next uh, week. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Uh Good stuff, Steve Irvine, but that's expected now. Yep. Um, I just saw I had something pop up on, on my screen here uh, from CBS uh, about Nick Saban, a recruit, and his tenure at Alabama. It's pretty interesting stuff. It's coming up on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. If tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sky partially sunny this afternoon. Just an outside chance of a brief shower or storm. The high 93. Tonight fair with the low at 69. For tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny. A small chance of a shower or storm. The high 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa. On Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Samson. Really interesting, but very quick article that you can find on CBSSports.com. Popped up on my screen here about an hour ago. It says that uh, Alabama wide receiver commitment, Ryan Williams, five-star prospect uh, for 2025, 
uh, number three overall, all players uh, coming out in 2025. But he said that Saban is going to coach as long as his body will let him. And then here's his quote that he told me he's going to be coaching until he croaks over. I don't know that I've ever heard it put that emphatically, but that's what he told a recruit. That's not what he told the people at the Malmore football complex. But uh, that's got to be interesting news to the recruits and the other coaches across the nation. Yeah, and you know why I think um, that that is 100% accurate? It's because of the word croak. Where else have we heard that? From him. Well, Bear Bryant famously said that... Oh, that's, uh, you know, good good going. You're right. Bear, Bear Bryant famously said that he, quote, probably would croak in a week unquote if he ever quit playing if he ever quit coaching football and he was off by four weeks uh, or off by three weeks because four weeks after that comment that's when he checked into Druid City Hospital in Tuscaloosa with uh, chest pain and he died of a heart attack the next day and so that that word croak is very obviously important in the history of Alabama sports and Alabama football in particular. And you know Saban is aware of that. And uh, the fact that he almost used that, that I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I mean, you tell me. You're more of the historian well, than I am. I, I just thought that was interesting because it's not a word that a uh, – uh, 18 it ever uses frankly it's not a word that i use uh it, it seems to be more of a, a you know archaic or an older word uh and the the fact they use that word tells me that it probably came straight from nick saban's mouth uh very that true. Is maybe maybe total over analysis there but no it's a good dive even if it's not exactly right i i now that i think about it and i did it before you brought it up uh Good, good catch there. Uh, the only thing I would say in response to that is uh, he said it to a recruit, not the media. I don't know if he, he knew that Ryan Williams was going to go to the media and say this. Uh, you know, those are all you know just kind of different creaks on the croak. But uh, I find it all very interesting. And then uh, they, as good reporters will do, they'll find another quote that's related to this, and they did. And here's Saban. I love my job. I love it. I love the relationships with the players. I love the competition, the preparation for the games. I just love it. I wish you all would ask all the other coaches who come up here because they tell the recruits I'm going to retire. Ask them how they know I'm going to retire. When all I think about is what I'm going to do if I retire because I love what I'm doing now, so how am I going to be happy not coaching? That too. <laughs> That's uh that comes from the script of Paul William Bryant too. So, yeah, absolutely. And it, uh, sadly, you, you just you see this in all walks of uh, or all all different professions when somebody is really at the top of their profession and uh, they have been so successful for so long. I mean, think about the number of decisions that Nick Saban makes every single day, especially during the football season. I mean, what, 200? I mean, it's small and large, 
right? Uh, like he says, he has so much responsibility, and then suddenly you turn the spigot off, and what happens? I mean, that it's Paul Brown or Paul Brown, uh, Paul Paul Bryant. I'm thinking of the Bengals too much because I have a Bengals story. Of course, I do. Has to deal with Joe Burrow. Um, I, uh, 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 Paul Bear Bryant, like you know, it's like he he foresaw what was going to happen, and and you do see a lot of people have ish, health issues, right? After they walk away from their respective profession, especially when they're at the top, and uh, it, it is just interesting to me that that word was used to describe it because that word carries a heck of a lot of significance if you know. Uh, sort of uh, the nuances of Alabama football history and their coaches. Really good catch on the croak part. Now, as we wrap up this edition of Big Noon Sports, uh, we've put it off for an hour and 50 minutes, but now we got to get to the Bengals. What's up with Joe Burrow now, Lars? (laughs) Well, uh, Joe Burrow, he um, went to a sandwich shop in uh, his hometown of Athens, Ohio. Uh, And um, he ended up uh, leaving, or I'm sorry, he was actually in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, he went to the Brown Bag Deli. And they're they're known for their famous club sandwiches. And he he, uh, had a $57 bill. Guess how much he tipped? $100. Fifty dollars, but uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty. Uh, it's a pretty good tip. Uh, you, I think he realizes that. Um, I, it, 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 hey, maybe he knows that the the contract that's about to make him the richest uh, guy in the NFL is uh, just days away from happening, and and, and it most likely is. Uh, he he's about to become the <clears throat> excuse me the highest paid player in the NFL. Uh, and you know, it, it, it's it's, it's going to be an ungodly amount of money. Uh, so there you What's go. What's it called again? Brown Bag Deli. Brown Bag Deli. Yeah, I like the name. Brown Bag Deli, and they're it, they're known for their club sandwiches. What's your favorite uh, lunch sandwich, by the way? Oh man, I'm almost like Joey Tribbiani on Friends. And I love sandwiches. I love all types of sandwiches. I do, too. If uh, I were going to go make one, I'd just use some ham, some American or Swiss cheese, some lettuce and tomato. Lettuce and tomato, to me, uh, that's the perfect That should belong on all of my sandwiches except for peanut butter and jelly. Do you, and I, don't um, eat, I don't eat those very often. How about mayo? Are you a mayo yes, person? Yes, I'm a mayo guy. Are you? Uh, yes, I am. I, and I, you know, it's so good. It's so good. My mom, if I try to sneak uh, some light mayo onto a sandwich, she's not having it. No, it's got to it's got to be the real McCoy, and it can't be any Miracle Whip. Although I love my Miracle Whip as well. I do too. Uh, my daughter Madison can barely stand it being in a refrigerator. <laughs> she is just so anti mayo, and when you look at it. By itself, scoop on a spoon, it's not very appetizing at all. But when you put it on a sandwich with all the other goodies, what is, what's your go-to? If you walked into your kitchen right now and made a sandwich, what are you putting on it? 
turkey sandwich, uh, turkey, lettuce, tomato, uh, pickles, and then it's a, a, a little bit of mayo and uh, vinegar, extra vinegar and salt and pepper. A lot of vinegar. Wow. I love vinegar. Sound I like you got you got I Subway in your kitchen. Yeah, I know. No cheese? <laughs> I'm a sandwich guy. Uh, yes, uh, Swiss or if I'm feeling uh, adventurous, uh, extra sharp cheddar. Oh, man, sometimes that's just absolutely the best. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. Let me tell you something I tried the other night. I think you and I are hungry. Extra, <laughs> yes, extra sharp cheddar uh, on a cracker with a little piece of olive. You're probably not an olive guy. I am. Good. Well, then I'll make you one next time you're over here. Thank All you, right. Lars. Our thanks All to our right. many guests and Kim and Noah. Get well, Sep. We'll talk again tomorrow in 22 hours. Be safe, everybody.